is also a shaman and a healer. Indeed, he was born into a family of healers and raised in rural Mexico by a Cordera healer mother and a Negual shaman grandfather. The family anticipated that Miguel would embrace their centuries-old legacy of healing and teaching and carry forward the esoteric Toltec knowledge. Instead, distracted by modern life, Miguel chased to change his mind and he chased the, the attention of medical school to become a surgeon. A near-death experience changed his life, however. One late night in the early 1970s, he awoke suddenly, having fallen asleep at the wheel of his car. At that instant, the car careened into a wall of concrete, and Don Miguel remembered that he was not in his physical body as he pulled his two friends to safety. Stunned by this experience, he began an intensive practice of self-inquiry. He devoted himself to the mastery of ancient wisdoms and studying earnestly with his mother and completing an apprenticeship for the powerful shaman in the Mexican desert. His grandfather, who had since passed on, continued to teach him in his dreams. In the tradition of the Taltec, a Nagual guides an individual to personal freedom, and Don Miguel Ruiz, a Nagual from the Eagle Knight lineage, had dedicated his life to sharing the wisdom of the ancient Taltec. In the Four Agreements, Don Miguel reveals the source of his self-limiting beliefs that rob us of joy and concrete needless suffering. Actually, they rob us of the joy and create needless suffering. And it's based on an ancient Taltec wisdom, the Four Agreements. The Four Agreements offers a powerful code of conduct that can rapidly transform our lives to a new experience of freedom, true happiness, and love. And as I mentioned last month, I interviewed Dr. Maladomi Soma on my show on October 23rd of 2010, and at that time, he talked about the healing attributes of the African drum and its relationship with our ancestors, family, and our collective community. And I'd like to suggest that you log on to that show on my blog talk radio site and click on the archives to listen to that segment when you get a chance. I also mentioned earlier uh, about a new program that I had created on Facebook and, and a website that's right now being created as well. And the Facebook site is called One Billion Drumming for Peace Group Network. It came to me from spirit that every family within the African diaspora and all other communities that are committed to healing and reconnecting to our African roots should have an African drum in the home and have a designated drummer appointed within the home and the community to perform at any moment's notice for uh, the birth of a child or to the opposite end of life when someone trans goes in transition, and any other significant event that happens within the community and within the home and the family, such as birthdays and weddings and so forth. My goal is to have at least, or to inspire at least one million homes to have drums within their, within, uh, within their home site by the end of the year 2011. And to have this grow exponentially each following year until it reaches a total of one billion and it is my hope and prayer that this will happen within my lifetime. If not, indeed, may the baton be passed on to others, especially our youth, to continue this particular um, objective. 
And I must say that you can join my Facebook site by going to www.drumsoffreedom.com. That's drums, plural, drumsoffreedom.com, and you can uh, take advantage of the opportunity to join the organization as a founding member. If you're interested in purchasing an African drum, or any other drum for that matter, I have a relationship as an associate with Amazon.com. And this would be just in time for the celebration of Black History Month this coming February of next month. So please feel free to go to my website, which is www.drumsofchangedrumsofspirit.com, or you can just go to www.drumsofchange.com. And oh yes, of course, you'll be able to purchase drums via my associate partnership with Amazon, and, and drums are priced as low as $29, including shipping. And I'm talking about drums that are very high end in terms of their craft and, and, and artistship. I call these drums starter drums, the ones that are at the low end price, which can make a perfect gift for youngsters and those of you who are first time drummers. And there you also find drums for adults and those of you who are experienced and professional drummers. And of course, all types of accessories. And we recommend that you also go to your local African drum store in your neighborhood so that you can support the merchants in your local community. The drums that you purchase from my site will financially support the brothers and sisters in Africa who make them and export them here in the board. Um, please take a look at the YouTube video on the front page of my site at drumsofchangedrumsofspirit.com, and there's a video of me playing drums uh, in celebration of our ancestors and, and our new uh, first African-American president, President Obama. As always, I invite you to go in and call in, actually, with your comments about the book that I'm going to be reading excerpts from, and with general comments regarding uh, any other books that you may have read by Dr. Miguel uh, Ruiz. And I'd like to also know if you believe in the principles of the Four Agreements and other cultural traditions that are involving uh, healing. Have you had any experience with any of these traditions, and have you ever been involved in a religious or a spiritual path which does not recognize these traditions? And does the belief in ritual, magic, or initiation, or healing, or shamanism conflict with your family values or upbringing? Please, I implore that you feel free to share your point of view. And as always, there is no right or wrong answers on this show. Everyone's thoughts and opinions are always respected. This show will also inform you of practical tips for enhancing your overall quality of life, spirit, mind, and body. And I must add, of course, that I'm not a medical doctor and I'm not giving medical advice in any way. But what I do share is what personally works for me and my family. And I hope that you will find some benefit. With all things, of course, check with a licensed medical profession, uh, professional before embarking on any changes in your health routine. And I will take a short break now. And when I return, I will begin reading from the four agreements. The chat room is open, so please feel free to interact with one another. And for those of you who are listening on the Internet, uh, please feel free to call the number, which is 323-927-1412. And if you wish to speak with us, please remove the headsets and stand away from your computer modem, because that way you can avoid feedback. All right, so I hope that you will enjoy the show, and I'll be back with you shortly.
again, and I'm very happy to see that we have a few people calling in. Uh, area code 216, would you like to share with us uh, some thoughts? Uh, hello? Can you oh, hear me? Uh, yes, Baba. Hello, how are you? I'm doing hello? great. Who is this? Uh, this is Ori um, uh, uh, Sami. Hi, how are you, Ori Sami? It's good to hear your voice. <laughs> Yes, I, I was I was trying to I was trying to catch up on the book. I'm still in the the first chapter, um, but um, I, actually it is, is extremely enjoyable, and um, I think it's something that I guess that I I talk about a lot on my Facebook pages, um, my posts about the power of the word and and affirming um, people um, and affirming your yourself. Um, you know, I, I see people, yeah, I see people all the time cursing themselves and. And it's um, it's a horrible thing to do, um, you know. But one thought I had in my mind, um, and I know you're going to go into all this, so I don't want to, you know, get into too much. But you know, sometimes nope. we find it hard. We find it hard to take something back, and mm-hmm. you know, what once we create a, you know, as um, as Ruiz says, we cast a spell on someone. We have to find ways of taking it back. So that we begin a new agreement, you know, with that person. And the first thought that came to my mind was writing down what we what we said, and on a piece of paper, and burning it, and saying, "I no longer have this agreement with this person. I no longer have this mm. thought. I no longer, you know, honor what I said." Because we mm. have to, we have to be very intentional about about taking it back. Because you know, it can cast forward, and and you can't always. Um, you're not always aware of, of the impact, but it starts with you because you created the agreement. You you have to take it back, and you have to find a way of maybe through some uh, some ritual taking it back so that it it no longer has the power that was cast. So that was that was one of the first thoughts that I had, and and I know burning burning purifies and purges. So you know writing it down is cathartic. You know you get it out. And you can even say more of what you really want to say, and then say, you know what? I no longer have that. I release this. I, you know, I'm moving forward, and and that becomes almost a prayer, and that prayer can turn that the spell or the curse away. You know, so that was mm-hmm. that was one of the thoughts that I had, and um, you know, we have to, you know, we we can't get feel bad that we put something out there because we're human. But we can be very intentional about trying to remove what we have put out there into the universe. Yes, I totally agree. And and I thank you so much for uh, sharing that. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, what you mentioned about taking uh, a piece of paper and writing down uh, those those feelings and thoughts and then burning it is something that I learned from my wife. I mean, I had heard about it, but I never had practiced it until I got married uh, to, mm. to my dear wife, Spirit Change. Matter of fact, wise. I just walked in. Uh, yeah, so I, it just, you know, made me smile when you mentioned that. Uh, it, my wife just walked into the room. Perhaps she'd like to say hello for a moment. Oh, you're, oh, you're very wise, Spirit Change. Love you, love you, love you. Oh, Alafia, I love you too. Have to pull everyone. <laughs> Yes, so uh, indeed, uh, I look forward to you uh, sharing some more thoughts with us later on in the show, Orisami. Okay, and, thank uh, you. You're welcome, and thank you. Are you going to be staying on? Yes, I am. 
Wonderful, wonderful. Well, please hold on, and we'll talk later on in the short. Uh, All right, thank let me just invite you. Hello, 347, uh, you're on the air. Would you like to share your name and some thoughts with us? Hello. Yes, we're breaking Hello? up. Uh, I'll, maybe if you stand away from the modem or from the computer, you might get some clarity. Can you hear me okay, now? Okay, Oh, yeah, I can hear you now. Can you hear me? Oh, goodness, I didn't realize that I pressed one. <laughs> yes, I can hear you. How are you? Okay, I'm doing great, quite well, thank you. How are you doing? Who who am I speaking with? Um, My name is Mimi. My full name is Miriam. Um, I'm calling from Queens, New York. Um, and I just wanted to make a comment that um, it's such a relief to see, <clears throat> excuse me, that there are... There's, there are people who actually are interested in these lessons. Um, I recall reading, oh gosh, I was maybe about ten years ago, before agreement, mm-hmm. and um, ah. the lessons, the lessons of of the four agreements are consistent in anything that you into your life. You see it all over, and I saw it mm-hmm. again in um, reading a separate reality by uh, Carlos Castaneda, and for the conversations yes. with Don Juan. And it was in mm-hmm. the chapter, the, the task of seeing, where apparently um, Castaneda had made an agreement with himself as a child because he hurt, he injured another um, one of his fellow classmates, and he thought the little boy was going to have to have his arm cut off. He, you know, he dropped a chalk, chalkboard on him, and he made mm-hmm. an agreement with himself, with his subconscious, that if this boy heals, if he's okay, I will never be victorious in a situation again because it started as a prank, you know, who's tougher or whatever, and... Um, Don Juan helped him go back into his into his recollections and see that, you know, you did this to yourself. You're at a place in your life where you've you've cast just like the sister who just was just speaking. You cast a spell on yourself. You cast a spell on other people, and we we don't even realize the power. That's why it's so hidden. It's hidden. People don't tell us, and we don't even raise our children right by letting them know. The word can't is a curse word. Do not say that you can't. You can do anything that you want, whatever you want to be. The sky, it's, there's no limit. The sky isn't even a limit. Um, you're your limit. And um, I'm just so thankful. I, I, I watch uh, the post that, uh, the search, which you put on Facebook. It's just, I love, they always come on time for me. They always come on time. That's something that I need to hear. Um, as I read it in my head, I need to say it to myself because there are spells that I've cast on myself since my mother has passed. And that's we're going back 14 years, so I'm dragging stuff along, and I know that I have to break things. So maybe writing something down and burning it will work for me. I just think that um, doesn't matter what I think. I'm just thankful. So that's my comment. <laughs> that's it. So um, great. Well, thank you. So, now. Thank you so much for sharing that, Mimi. And it, it, synchronicity is working as always. Uh, for you to hear Arasami uh, mention that about writing it down and then burning the paper. And getting rid mm-hmm. of this energy, those negative thoughts, right. uh, that's something that uh, I guess we can discuss on and on. Uh, mm-hmm. those Definitely. Definitely. I think we do it, We do that so often, you know, oh, if I, if, if I will get this, you know, come through with this job interview, if 
my child doesn't get sick, there's things that you deny yourself, say, well, I won't do this anymore, or I don't need that anymore, whatever this or that is, it's it's putting a restriction on yourself, and it creates a vibration that just carries and it follows you. You know, um, sometimes I think the fear of being great, um, the responsibility of being great, of other people listening to you or following what you say, your example, you don't want to be seen, so you, you put yourself in the shell and you keep yourself out of um, the light. You think people are not seeing you, but it, everything is watched. Everyone's watching you anyway. So, you know, again, thank you. I'm so I <laughs> stop talking now and just listen. Give someone else opportunity to speak.
Hello, I'm sorry we had technical difficulties. Uh, can you hear me? Hello? Hello, I'm sorry we had technical difficulties. Can you hear me there? Yes. Oh, great. Uh, am I calling on 216? Oh, I'm just listening, so if you want to mute me, you can. Okay, great. What is this? How many people are on at the same time? Okay. Well, we can understand. have up to at the same time. Oh, Wesley. Hi. I'm, yes. I'm, I don't know. This is Jean. Uh, hello to you and to Spirit Change. Can you Jean, hear how me? How are you? Yes, I'm I can fine. hear you. How are you doing? Oh, I'm fine, Wesley. And this is, I, I'm a little nervous, but uh, I just <laughs> want to ask you something uh, because of uh, your thoughts. And I, I, I would like to know uh, how does one go about forgiving someone that's done them an injustice. Can you hear well, me? Huh? Yes, I can hear you. Yes, well, I can hear well, you. Is there, is there a way to to just throw it out of your mind when someone's done you a wrong? Well, I believe that the initial start is to forgive yourself for having the problem with forgiving the person who you want to forgive. And I think that's a good start because uh, a lot of times we beat ourselves up for uh, allowing people to hurt us or to do wrong to us. And it just so happens that, um, you know, this has been a discussion that's been going on on my wife's website. Uh, she created uh, one billion people uh, forgiving uh, one another. Uh-huh. And and that's a, a a issue it seems that many of us share and i think that it's not a surprising thing when we think about it you know especially with ourselves and of course our immediate family you know one of the things that involves us and by the way tell james i said hello i will he knows i'm on with yes. you and I, but i i'm not going to put him on because i wanted to get this out of my my thoughts, as, as as your program is suggesting, but I keep thinking that I want karma. I want karma, and karma is supposed to take care of those things, and I, it's not working for me. So I must, as you say, forgive myself. First. Yes, that's that's well, a, 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 yeah. a matter of fact, a major start. Uh huh. And, and I think as we forgive ourselves and understand um, that the most important moment the most important aspect of our life is present, right now. Mm-hmm. And when we understand that the now is the most important, we recognize that those things that were done to us yesterday, last year, in our early childhood life, you know, that's in the past. And it really has no power. As a matter of fact, it's an illusion because it, it's not real. Well, it's it doesn't not exist. just words. I'm sorry, Wesley, it's not just words. I'm talking about material things as well. I'm not just talking about someone saying something to hurt, someone actually taking something from you. It's not yes. just words. Did you hear what I said? Well, again, again, the the physical piece, someone taking something from you, Yes, possession. that's also, yes. if I can say, an illusion. Okay. Because we don't own anything in the final analysis. We may have something that's in our possession to use for a particular um, 
necessity in our life. Uh huh. But you know, constantly we recognize that what we have can be taken away from us at any moment. We could lose it. It it can be forgotten. Well, we and I left did some. lose it because it was taken. So I'm get, that's why I'm getting confused here. That was it was taken, but I never really had it. It was left. It was there. And it should have been shared, but it was taken mm-hmm. solely by one. Now that's the thing I'm talking about. So the fact is, it was taken, but as mm-hmm. you say, it wasn't really mine. It was it was there. And it should have been done a certain way, but it didn't come to me, but it was there. So that's what I want to get over. Right. Well, the the piece of lessons is a, is a very important thing to always remember, that anything that happens to us that's very uh, hurtful, painful, that usually behind that experience there's a lesson to be learned. Mm-hmm. Yes. And okay. one of the lessons... And one of the lessons that we have to learn, such as I was talking about earlier, um, we had an individual who uh, was mentally ill, and he killed some people and attempted to kill, assassinate a very important person within the community who happened to be a congresswoman. But one of the people that were killed was a little girl. Yes. And it I've was been following that. Yeah, it was just interesting to hear the father say that he forgave the man who killed his daughter, that he understood that he was sick. And it just so happened that he happened to have a lifestyle or an experience in his life that allowed him to be able to have that continence with a a horrific experience. And by him saying that, he was able to teach me more so, again, because I've always had that feeling within my heart and contemplated how I would react if someone killed my, my child. But he also helped hundreds of thousands, if not millions of other souls to recognize that that's an alternative way of looking at a tragedy such as that and a horrific experience of having someone kill your child. Yes. So, I don't know if I could do that. I mean, I would hope that I could be that, uh, you know, um, forgiving. I don't think I could do that. I think that that's a wonderful person. Absolutely. I don't think I could I could do that. We've had people in our lives, and indeed in our immediate community. We have Al Sharpton that did that with a person who stabbed him near his heart. We have the but he's Pope, still alive. I forget, I think it might have been who who had someone that, that attempted to kill him. He visited that person in the prison. Yes, but Josh Hopton didn't die, and if somebody kills my child, that would take, I don't know, if I could do it, I would try, but well, I don't think I could. Well, the thing is, is that, that that's the, one of the reasons why I picked this book to read, The Four Agreements, because he touches upon that. One of the agreements he has, I mentioned the first one, which is, is having impeccable speech, being impeccable with their word. Then he also states that the second one, don't take anything personally. And we have a tendency to take what happens to us that's done by another person as something that's personal. And I think that it takes quite a bit of effort to 
wrap your head around that, your mind around that concept of not taking anything personal. Because we're in a society that is always geared towards win and lose, you and me. We feel, we're made to feel that we're separate from one another, rather than recognizing, as Gary Zukoff says and other writers that uh-huh. I've read that gave me the aha moment, that we're all interconnected and interdependent upon one another. Yes. And once we experience that journey of understanding, regardless of what religious persuasion you embrace, of what spiritual platform you you stand upon, you begin to realize that. Mm-hmm. So, indeed, we live because something or many things in our lives give of themselves unconditionally so that we may live. Indeed, they might go to what we might known be might be known and classified as a death. Earlier today on Facebook, uh, a Facebook friend of mine, David, made something. He posted a, made a post about how he felt so enchanted when he went into the backyard or into any wooded area and witnessed the essence of, of a tree and the leaves and the flowers, and he had this sense of oneness. And we had a little thread of dialogue within that particular uh, topic that he brought up or that contemplative thought about nature that he brought up. And I shared the thought in my mind about the tree, that indeed it's a tree, and as you lift up the leaf and recognize that those leaves multiplied by billions of other trees or whatever amount represent the way in which we get oxygen to breathe. And that tree gives of itself. The leaves go through a cycle every year of falling off the tree after they've done their job of giving off oxygen. You know, the whole chemistry, the, the carbon monoxide and so forth, absorbing that so it dies eventually. But when it, before it dies, it gives off something that benefits us as human beings. Mm-hmm. So I'm using that analogy to say that the universe is absolute and perfect. There are no accidents. And it has a perfection that, for the most part, is beyond our comprehension. So to go back to your question about when someone takes something from you, perhaps that object or belonging that you owned had to be taken from you, not just to teach you a lesson, but to make way for something else to come into your life. Okay. But also to make way to let you know that you need to maybe keep that person away from you. Out of your life. Oh, yeah. And oh. my wife, Spirit oh. Changes here, she'd like to share some thoughts with you about that as well, Jean. Okay. Thank you. Namaste. Good evening, everyone. Spirit Change here. I extend blessings of peace to everyone. I thank the Most High for the opportunity of being on the show this evening. I, I walked into um, the studio on the conversation that Bob was having with Jean. And uh, first, I'd like to just personally say to you, I'm truly sorry for your loss. I don't know what was taken from you, but I know that it, and and I don't need to know um, if you don't wish to share, but I do know that when something is taken from you, whether it's physical, mental, a child, whether it's a personal possession, it is in fact personal to you, and it is hurtful. And we look for 
we look for, we, we want that person or sometimes it could be an organization, but whatever it is, whoever or whatever took from you unlawfully, we first acknowledge that, yes, they are wrong. Now, where forgiveness comes into play, it's, it's a process because the one, one thing that needs to happen when someone takes something from you, be it large or small, because we all have our parameters. I've had things taken from me that people might say, oh, that's incidental, but to me it's a big thing. So we, mm-hmm. don't, we don't judge or quantify what was taken from someone, but we do acknowledge that's a loss and it's wrong. And, yes, the principle, the cosmic principle of ma'at, ma'at, I heard the word karma when I was walking into the studio. Ma'at will put that back in order. But from a practical standpoint, what do you do with the individual that has been wronged? And I believe that one of the first steps to the healing process is you need to communicate it to someone, but not anyone. You need to communicate it to someone who, first of all, you trust, second of all, who you know will give you advice that can help you, and thirdly, someone that if they have not personally experienced a similar loss so that they can relate to what you're saying, it's got to be at least someone who is astute enough to be able to put themselves in your shoes so that when they're guiding you, they can guide you from a position of not only understanding but also empathy. And that's yes. what gets you started. Well, that's I really appreciate this. And uh, I, I didn't really know if this is the proper, you know, time to say this or anything, but I, I, I'm trying to get that, that, uh, that really that peace that my thoughts are not really peaceful, and I'm trying to get peace, and I just want to forget about the whole situation. And I think what Leslie said, sometimes you're not even supposed to have that person near you. That sounds pretty, you know, very clear to me. Uh, not having that person near me, in a way. Well, you understand what can't. I'm saying? I don't know if that's can't. if that's the in terms of speaking with someone. It's like really, it's legal as well. It's a legal thing. I could speak to a lawyer, whatever. I I just want to forget about. It's like it's a member of my family as well. It's not you know, it's not my house, it's not my husband. It's a member of my family. And the thing is, I just want to forget about it. It's been a long time now, and I'm still holding on to it. I want to forget it. And that's why maybe I do need to just put it away from me, and that's it. I mean, if that's the only other way, I don't I don't know what else to do. I think that's – I don't really need to talk about it anymore. I've just said, well, listen to this. Uh, I'm listening to your program, and uh, the discussion is uh, about – Thoughts that can just take you someplace you don't want to be, and I think that I really, you know, had a, you know, something to think about here now. Of course, I'm a little nervous, but I do think that maybe I can just keep it, put it away from me, and throw it out. That's that's probably what I'll have to do at this point. But I really do appreciate having been able to speak with both of you tonight, and I'm going to move on and let uh, let someone else come on at this point. I I really appreciate it. Thank you. 
Oh, you're welcome. I'm going to mention there there are no accidents, and I'm certain that there are others who are listening or in the chat room that may have your same situation. So I'm going to just continue with and thank you so much for calling, Jean. Thank you so much. I and, appreciate uh, I'm trying to, to understand what happened. I'm 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 looking on the computer, but now I don't have your uh, I don't have your uh, uh, site anymore for some reason. I don't know what happened uh, here. So all I can suggest, um, because we we really can't help very much with technical things regarding right. the show. Yeah. Certain things do happen. Sometimes we're kicked off and we have to dial back in again. So that we can't really help you with. But as a suggestion, maybe you can try what we do, which is sign off and sign back on again. And well, I, I didn't know you had a sign sign on. That's the problem. I, I'm not registered, so maybe that's it. I, is that I what it no is? Idea. If you, I have no idea. But if you go on the site for Blog Talk Radio, it yeah. will usually you tell you what you need to do. Um, okay. But thank you again, and hopefully, you know, you'll be able to be successful with your technical difficulties. I'm just going to mention the second part of. Um, of what I was going to say in respect to healing. It is a process. And, Bob, yes. I'm just going to take another second or so because I do want whoever else may be listening who may be in that position mm-hmm. where something dear to them was taken from them, mm-hmm. whether it be person, place, or thing, that it's it's not a frivolous subject. It's not something that, can, uh, that a Band-Aid could be on. Mm-hmm. And it's something that has to continue through several discussions. Mm-hmm. And for those that are listening who are in this situation or you may know of someone in that situation where something crucial to them was taken from them, the second part is your own personal healing. You have to take care of yourself in whatever way works for you. It can be meditation. If you need to take a day off from work to meditate, or if you need to take a day or as much time as you're allowed to off from work to just be with yourself, be in an environment of solace, if you need to go and and get on your knees and pray fast, whatever you need to do to get that energy away from you, take spiritual baths, light incense, do cleansing. That's another part of the process because if someone takes something from you, it you you may some people can bounce back right away. Some people can bounce back right away. Okay, but others it may take a year, it may take ten years. You can't quantify how long it takes to heal. So another part of your healing process is please don't compare yourself with anybody else. Because if you know that Uncle Joe that somebody stole his his uh, car or whatever, and two days later he was fine, and somebody stole your car. And I'm just using that as an example. Um, If somebody stole your car and three months later you're still angry and you feel like going up and, you know, going out and and just put wanted signs all over the place for this person, don't think that something's wrong with you, okay? Uncle Joe may have gotten over it quickly. You may not. So never judge your healing process by what others told you, oh, that same thing happened to me and I was over it in a week. What's wrong with you? No, there is nothing wrong with you. Mm -hmm. You take the time that you personally need because it's your journey. And another part of the healing process, and I'm just going to 
get off, get stop talking now. And another part of the healing process is to acknowledge what happened. Don't blame yourself, but by the same token, know that the universe will put it back into balance. Mm-hmm. Yes, we want karma. Yes, we want to physically, mentally, and sometimes we will go there. We want to spiritually. We want to hurt. We want to harm. We want to crush, kill, destroy. Does that person deserve that? Hey, probably. But is it up to us to inflict it? No. So that's why we have to let the most high, we have to let the universe handle it. The most high will bring retribution not maybe when we want it. We may get to see the other person suffer, which inside we all know as humans, we want to see the person that hurt us be hurt. Let's be real. It's about being real. It's not about, you know, fooling yourself. We want to see that. We're human beings. You hurt me? Okay. I want to see you get hurt. That's a human emotion. It's real. But in forgiveness, forgiveness is acknowledging and letting yourself be detached from that person. Because if you keep holding on to the angry thoughts, that person took your car, your money, your husband, your house, whatever it is they took, they took it and went on, and they're not looking back. They're not thinking about you. So the only one you're hurting by holding on to it is yourself. So you're forgiving so that you can release that person and what they did from your aura, from your sphere of influence. You have to release it. Now, you can choose to hold on to it because you have free will. That is your choice. But if you choose to hold on to it, it can manifest in your life as either more of the same thing, just from a different person, or it can show itself in your life physically as disease. You can get cancer. Diabetes, nervous system, nervous system disorders, all sorts of things like that, all sorts of physical maladies develop as a result of holding on to the anger. Mm-hmm. As a result of holding on to the anger. So those those are the steps and the ramifications and what it looks like. But, you know, again, and in passing, because I'm, I'm going to stop talking now because I'm, I'm getting the high sign. <laughs> no, 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 actually, but, uh, uh, your thoughts are welcome. I mean, we, we have quite a bit of time for the show, and, and uh, it seems as if I don't believe that it's an accident that Jean happens to call and present that as a question. Uh, I know it's have, not an accident. No. That's so, why I wanted to carry it a little further. Well, I know well, it's not an accident. Absolutely. So whatever else you have to share, whatever is coming through you from spirit, uh, feel free to share. And, and in line with that, with my, with, with my own personal clients, I, I do share my personal stories. I'm not going to do that in this venue and mm-hmm. the radio program. Mm-hmm. But uh, when you do, um, which is what I was mentioning to Jean, I know she said she would talk to a lawyer, and, you know, that's great. Mm-hmm. But um, above and beyond the lawyer, I'm more referring to a spiritual person, if it's not a designated spiritual person like clergy or a priest or high priestess, it can be a friend, a relative, someone who can give you good counsel, Mm -hmm. who can be empathetic with you, someone who's not going to make you wrong, 
so that you can feel as though you're healing. Many times people go to someone, professional or otherwise. I know I've had people at my office say that to me. Oh, I went to speak to so-and-so, and, and, so and, and uh, they're supposed to be there to listen to me, and I walked away from them feeling worse than I did than when I went to them. And that's a terrible thing because many people in certain positions abuse that position. Okay, so we, we don't, you know, don't necessarily look at someone with a title or a position. We we want to do that because we figure, hey, well, they're qualified. They're saying they're, they're, they're an attorney or they're a medical doctor or they're clergy. Or, but you still have to remember that within those titles, you're still dealing with human beings, Absolutely. people in the flesh. So if what you're getting, if you're not, if you don't feel comfortable with whom you're seeking counsel with, find somebody else. But it is, it is of utmost importance that when you're going through a situation where, you, where you're feeling lost, a feeling of loss, whether it's by, whether it's by um, person transitioned, you know, they, they passed away, or whether, you know, like I said, people are, I don't like to use the word taking someone's mates. Nobody can take a mate. The person's an adult. They, they went voluntarily. That's a, that's a different show and a different story. Yeah. But just to um. You know, just for simplicity's sake, whether you lost a mate because someone came and, you know, got in between your relationship or whether you were unjustly fired or whether somebody stole your house from you or cleaned out your bank account, which happens too often, especially with the elderly, you need somebody to talk to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there are various books uh, that I was going to mention earlier, and I, I really appreciate how you sharing those thoughts. Okay. Very much on point. Very, very uh, uh, intuitively uh, uh, touching upon those areas that need to be touched upon in terms of how one comes out of being hurt from uh, uh, from someone who does something wrong to them. I see a person on the line. Uh, it's an unknown number. I'm going to click on and, and just ask if you'd like to share your name and any thoughts um, about the show. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I'm Steve. Hi, is your name Steve? Yes. Um, the reason I call, I'm listening to the show, and I do want to continue to listen, but the reason I'm really calling is because I called Queen Mother's show last Sunday, and I want to call again. I want to find out when it's going to be on again and what the phone number is because I don't have a computer handy. Alafia, Steve, it's good talking with you again. I remember you called in last week with your dream, and I told you about one of your guides who was Yemaya. I hope all things are going well with you. Thank you so much for remembering me. Yes, the phone. The show is live tomorrow morning, 9 a.m., and the call-in number is area code 323-375-3296. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, and thank you for calling. And thank you also. I hope you uh, enjoy the show and look forward to talking with you uh, again soon. Hello, 216, you're on the air. Would you like to share any thoughts? Yes. Um, What I I thought was really interesting... um, with the last call, um, with the call before that, who had um, who had mentioned about the the sense of loss, and you you had actually started off with talking about the um, 
the young the, the young girl who had died, and she was saying how she didn't think that she could deal with that type of loss. But um, but what I felt was that she has dealt with that type of loss because what happened is that when someone took something from her, they took they they stole her joy. So sometimes we think of it as uh, material, but it's what we lose in the spiritual that can sometimes probably be the most devastating. So what the, so in in the process of her dealing with this over a period of time, they have taken something very precious from her, and mm. and, and so sometimes when we have to um, release, we, we we need to look at all different areas of release. So the joy that they took from her by taking whatever that item was. She may not get it back in the physical, but she needs to reclaim her joy. And Absolutely. And, and that and so, so so that was almost like a death. You know, they took something from her, and she needs to get it back. And and I just, I, I pray that she will find that joy again in her life. Ah, uh, yes. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, and, and the word prayer, uh, Spirit Change was mentioned in that earlier, about prayer and doing whatever is necessary on a spiritual level to to anoint yourself, to heal yourself, and connect with the Most High. Mhm. Yeah, because I mean, people people can take a lot of different things from us. So, um, I, it's just um, I, I've had my joy taken from me, so I know that 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 the sense of loss and and to recognize it. I, it, it really helps the process because then, you, then you can. When we're talking about the agreements, you're reclaiming something that was taken from you. So you know, it, it kind of goes back with that same process of of understanding what those agreements were. So when that when an item was taken, that that became an agreement of them taking something from her. So so getting it back is part of the new agreement. Getting back what was she what was precious to her. You know, it's part of that agreement. So, uh, of her new agreement, and and I, I really feel that she will she will be so much happier. You know, because when people see your joy, it's like they take some part of your life energy, your life spirit from you, and and it, and it's kind of hard to live with when you don't have it. That's true. Well, that was just like a little two cents. <laughs> But it's a very valid it's a very valid comment. When someone takes something from you, it can immobilize you. It can lay you out literally. It can it can immobilize you. Which is why it is so important to verbalize your feelings. Don't stick to yourself. Some people here's an interesting thought. Some of us We'll go to the gym and punch bags or work out. Or, and what it is, I believe that for many of us, instinctively, we know that we have to do something. Okay, and I know they, you know, I know they might say it's a gender thing, you know, the man will go to the gym or whatever. Oh, no, I'll go to the gym myself. Or maybe that's the martial artist in me, so that might be a little bit different. But still, you, you have to physically do something. Your body, every cell in your body, Every aspect of your being knows that something was taken from you, knows that something has attacked it and is trying to destroy it, whether it's physically, mentally, or spiritually. Every being, every fiber in your body knows that it has to protect and preserve itself. 
So we react. If you cry, that is a good thing. Crying is healing. If you go to the gym, if you run five miles, when something has happened to you, that's good because your body is saying, okay, I can fight back this way because I know if I go to the gym and hit the heavy bag, I'm releasing endorphins. That's going to make me feel better. I know that if I cry, that's going to make me feel better. Instinctively, our bodies know that we need to do something. Right. But our spirits, our spirits are what we need to care for the most because when that is tarnished, it's difficult to get your spirit back. You can pump iron, you can run, you can do whatever, you can bodybuild. But if your spirit is not healed, you're still walking around wounded. So that's what we that's what we want to really, really care for and nurture mm-hmm. and, and do whatever we need to do to make sure that we don't allow others to tear into our spirit again. Okay, we talk about we talk about Non-attachment, non-attachment, because I know, Baba, you said in the beginning of the show, nothing belongs to us anyway. Okay, that's true, and we know that intellectually. Well, a lot of us don't know that, though. Well, many of us know it intellectually, many of us don't, Mm -hmm. but part of what we do in our ministries is, we're, we're building awareness because, like you right. said, many people aren't aware of it. Absolutely. However, many people are aware of it, but only intellectually. Mm-hmm. And those are the ones, I think, who suffer even more because intellectually we know that nothing belongs to us. I know that intellectually, but God forbid if everything was to be taken from me tomorrow, how would I act? Mm-hmm. Intellect is not going to help me at that point. Mm-hmm. So what do we do so that we can, in a practical way, move on in our lives, and that's to accept that before something happens. Absolutely. That's what I was doing. Teach that. Exactly. We've got to teach that and spread the message and raise awareness before you get hit by a crisis because that's what's going to help you through the crisis. Your intellect is not because your intellect is out the window. Your emotions have taken over at that point. So that's why I like what you said about nothing belongs to us anyway. Mm-hmm. How can we wrap our heads around that in the now time before something happens? Yeah, you uh, see? Uh, that's a very good point. Yeah. Very good point. Because it's, sometimes it's very easy to suggest if it's not happening to you at the moment. Exactly. Like uh, Orasani was mentioning uh, the piece about taking your joy away. Right. Now, I know, Orasani, you have sons. Mm-hmm, but uh, but yeah. what do we do as a parent when our child comes to us and says that their girlfriend or boyfriend just left them or, or cheated on them? Oh, we, I have a good one for we you. We step up to the plate mm-hmm. and we start giving them advice. You're going to get you right. can get over that. You didn't need them anyway. But how about because, there's plenty of fish in the sea? Yeah, and then oh, absolutely. Your kids, and your kids end up hating you because right. you've just made them feel worse. They're telling you yes. about the, the single thing that they wanted. They don't care about what's in the sea. Yes. You know? Absolutely. But, but, we, but we automatic with absolutely. that. There's plenty of fish absolutely. in the sea. Yes. When what, you miss one bus and another one's right behind. Nobody yes. cares about that when they're hurting. They don't want to hear that. Yes. <laughs> well, 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 we yes. I've actually been sorry, through that with, with, I've been through that with my boys, and and I'm glad that I didn't say all those things because I realized oh, that um, that that they um, 
that there there's everyone wants to be loved and and they they put some attachments into and in, into wanting to to love someone so you know what um we sat down we did a divination on it so so that they could kind of <laughs> so they could filter through what is it that what is it that they needed to process by by dealing with that? Because it's more important for them to understand where where some of the mistakes might have been made, where what um, where their new direction might be. So I just wanted to guide them that way because there was nothing I could say. Again, that's another loss, and you can't um, invalidate someone's sense of loss, um, which which kind of goes back to exactly what you were saying. But um, one of the things that um, I just felt led to share is um, uh, spirit change you had mentioned about how um, physical manifestations will occur when you hold things in. And I thought about um, an agreement that, that I turned around with my mom, who had cancer at the time, and I was very angry with her and had wanted to, for years, to finally just lash out and just let her know exactly all my all my pains and, and concerns. And at the time that I was ready to do that, we found out that she had cancer. And mm. and I hated that she had cancer because it didn't give me the opportunity to unleash all of what I wanted to to give at her, whether she deserved it or not. I mean, it's really not the issue. It's just that I felt like I needed to get it out. But the fact that she, when she did um, get, have cancer, I had to become a servant to her. I had to be there when she was sick and when, you know, the chemo and, and all the devastating effects that it had on her body. I was the closest person um, to her, and I was the one that was called. You know, can you come clean this up or can you come fix me something to eat? And in the process of me serving her, I had to release all that anger and all that guilt. And and so I developed a new agreement with her because I I... I had to take on a different role. So it it was no longer important for me to hold on to all that nastiness because I had to I had to show her love during that time. So sometimes um you know our uh, in in the process of changing our agreements with people devastating things have to occur, but her she's completely cancer free and has been for the last 7 years and she's she's moving forward and I am moving forward because I no longer have, I'm no longer in that same agreement, you know. Um, so I think we need to begin looking at um, when we when we were talking about the area of, of forgiveness and and just looking at it, what it is that we're harboring inside of ourselves. Sometimes um, in changing those agreements, it's not always going to be easy. And believe me, it was not easy for me to want to be a servant to someone who I really wanted just to just to lash out at. But it was it was mm. it was healing and it was something that needed to be done and I thank you know, I hate to say it but I thank God that that it happened so that so that we could be whole as a family. And mm. so, you know, I think I just share that someone needed to hear it. I just I don't know who but I hope it blesses them. Oh, I'm sure that it does and we'll continue to uh, thank you so much for sharing. That's a very, very, very uh, touching story, and I'm so well, happy. It, it, mother, it changed my life too. <laughs> it didn't just change hers; it changed mine. I can imagine. I can imagine. 
Uh, what a profound story. Uh, your mother being the one who brought us into the world and to see her in a state where she's sick and helpless and then to see that as being used by the Most High as a vehicle for you to come together with her. There's so many of us who've experienced that with our parents and loved ones. So that's a very profound story, and I, I thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I send a prayer out to your mother as well. Oh, and, well, she, uh, she, she, yeah, thank you. She's doing really well now. Oh, oh thank God. Thank the most. Yeah. Hmm. As Orifami said, there are many who are listening who needed to hear that story. I, I thank you, Orifami, for sharing that story with us. That, that is truly a story of healing. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, through, uh, it's through our stories. It's through the stories of the elders mm. that enable those of us who are coming behind us to learn, to heal, and in turn to be able to teach others. If we do not share our stories, I feel that we are falling short of our responsibilities as elders. That does not mean that we need to be transparent, especially in a public forum. You you can't and you shouldn't, you know, tell everything. Right. But definitely within, definitely within uh, the, the proper settings, the, proper settings. The, the stories have to perpetuate because that's that's what's teaching us. Mm-hmm. I, I see so many young people who are they're, they're just out there. They're out there, and they're they're joining gangs, and they're they're doing certain things that they're doing because they're not hearing the stories. Is it their fault? Probably not. Is it their parents' fault? Possibly not, because there are many parents who, in this economy, in this day and age, that in order to keep a roof over the head, they can't be there. They're working two or three jobs. Does that mean they're bad parents? Does that mean they're shunning their responsibility? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Okay? In this time of economic crisis, people are doing what they have to do, and unfortunately, far too often, it's the children who are suffering because they're not getting that parental guidance. They're not getting the benefit of what the elders could be giving them. And many of the young parents nowadays we're premature parents. Absolutely. They haven't finished growing up, and now they have a child, and they're struggling to support them. So the social issues perpetuate. So we continue with elders. We, you know, we we all, I, I you know, we all join in. Mm-hmm. As as um as you said earlier, Baba, we're we're all connected. We all join in. Mm-hmm. Now the level of responsibility is whatever we're able to do. It's what whatever someone is able to do. So something powerful like the story that um, that Orisami just shared, that's a very healing, powerful story for, for people who are listening to this program. Yes, indeed. Mm. 
Yeah, we, we have a dilemma. I'm happy to touch upon the piece about the elders because uh, we have a dilemma because of the society that we live here in America and in other parts of the world. But basically right here where uh, sex is something that's not dealt with in a healthy fashion and uh, having children before you're ready to even have a child uh, being a parent before you're even learning how to be an adult. And then, of course, we have a dilemma where we have people who are grandparents who are not even experienced enough to be a parent. So we have grandparents and, now who are 30. When I was growing yes. up, your grandmother was an old lady, okay? Absolutely. Absolutely. She, wasn't, she wasn't 30 wearing skinny jeans. Yes. And, you know, grandma was grandma. Yes. She was a foundation. Absolutely. And when Miles Dome mentioned in his book of Water and the Spirit, and when he visited us and we had the chance to just sit down and break bread and have a conversation with us, he reemphasized the importance in his community, in his village, of the grandparents being there to assist, if not take over the role of raising the children. Because it is the grandparents who are able to share their experience in life. So we're talking about social issues here in the United States and uh, many, many other, many other places. But I, I feel that, I feel that, um, well, not only feel that, but I know that there are other cultures who give reverence to yes. the elders. Um, that's not, I don't see that practiced in the same way here in the states. Mm-hmm. And also here in the, you know, and again, we, we have our own social issues yes. that, you know, that need to be embraced here at home, here on the home front. Absolutely. And um, there, are, there are things that we can glean from other cultures, which actually, they never left, but we did. We got technology. Yes. We, we arrived. We, we, you know, we, we, we um, became other than what our ancestors would have wanted us to be as far as community-wise. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we, we, we don't even, you know, we don't even sit and talk. I know we talked about this at a, on a previous show, how most people, due to necessity, due to where we live, due to what's going on around us, many of us don't even sit and have, have a meal together anymore. Mm-hmm. It's almost impossible to have breakfast breakfast and dinner together, but... You know, one out of two might not be bad. You know, but many people, no, but really many people are not even doing that. Yes. Out of necessity. Mm-hmm. And so now we communicate with cell phones. We walk around with a phone in our ear. Texting. And we text and, you know, we, we email and, you know, just, just little things that would help bring people together. A lot of that is being um, dissolved into technology. Well, there's, there's a, 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 a positive thing that's coming out of that technology also because of what we're doing right now. Right. Here we are at a Saturday evening where someone like our friend Gene calls and poses a question about forgiveness. Mimi calls and she talks about how she's been using the four agreements from being it four years ago and, and, and embracing the concept that indeed our whole entire life involves making agreements, and Orasami has just reinforced that particular understanding. And five, ten years ago, we could never have contemplated doing this in a Saturday evening. 
where we're able to talk with like-minded human beings, like-minded people who are not dealing with any type of dogma, not proselytizing, who are really presenting a somewhat an eclectic understanding of of the human experience and how to heal and how to forgive. So that's something that is very positive that's happening with this technology, and I'm very I'm very um, thankful for this. And I and I feel that I'm optimistic that what we're doing is not unique, and it will begin to uh, uh, migrate into other uh, communities, other homes, as people begin to hear about the type of shows that we have right now, that I'm doing, that you're doing that this conversation is now going to be shared, and that's going to be part of the healing process, part of the change. I feel that way. Oh, I'm sure it is. You know, um, Don Miguel Ruiz in the Four Agreements, this agreement of don't take anything personally, Mm -hmm. that's a big one. Oh, yes. That's a big one because... uh, that's that's another that's another uh, aspect of what we were talking about earlier with someone taking something from you, but even even just little things. Someone at the office mentioned to me just Thursday mm-hmm. about how how mean people can be, and I remember saying to this woman, as best as you can, don't take it personally. Mm-hmm. And that might sound like a one-liner, but again, with raising the awareness and assisting others in embracing these concepts and tools. They're concepts, but they're also physical tools for living. Mm -hmm. They're physical and practical tools for living, to get along in this incarnation, in this existence. Mm -hmm. Don't take anything personally. And I remember saying to her, and without going into the why she said it, because all of that's really irrelevant. Right. But um, and if you want to know, I'll tell you. But it's not that interesting. I, I want to really stick to the meat of sure. what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But someone said something to her over the phone, and boy, oh boy, it upset her day. And she was coming back and forth to me all day, you know, venting. Until finally, I had to say to her, "Look, I don't want to be insensitive." But now you're preventing me from doing what I have to do. Mm. And as best as you can, can't you see that you you yourself told me you never met this person? Okay? So how can you take so personally something someone said and you've never even met each other? What can you do to get through the rest of your day and forget this woman who was rude to you over the phone? She doesn't know you. Tell me why you need to care. It's not one of your loved ones. It's not someone of authority that you feel that what they said may be true. Mm-hmm. I said, because that would be different if, if, you know, like say if my boss said to me, you're doing a lousy job or whatever, yeah, I'm going to take that personally because now that may affect my livelihood. But here's a stranger. You don't know who's probably miserable in her own life, and so maybe she got a charge or something out of lashing out at you over the phone and insulted you, and you've never seen her in your life before, mm-hmm. don't take it personally. Right. So now how can we translate that to even when you do know someone, even when you have met someone? Mm-hmm. Because we do take a lot of things personally. Mm-hmm. And uh, that 
again, can cause, you know, people walking around taking medications for high blood pressure, cancer, all the, you know, this and that, and a nervous disorder, mm-hmm. fibromyalgia, all these different things develop. We take things personally, they lead to disease. Right. Because you're not at ease. So what do we do? What do we do? We recognize. What do we do? Hmm? Yeah. Well, one of the things that people are doing on a night like tonight, they go to a bar or go to a liquor store and buy alcohol. So you're talking about self-medication. Self-medicating. Is that an answer? They use sex for self-medicating. Are those viable answers? No, those are not viable answers. What one should consider, first of all, as you mentioned earlier, is to find a confidant, someone who you feel is level-headed. Even to a point, before even doing that, Google, if you're on a computer, for a book that deals with those issues of forgiveness. And preferably start with someone who has a Ph.D. or someone who has the experience, a proven track record of uh, having knowledge in those areas, and be proactive and read. You don't even have to buy the book in a lot of cases. You can just go to your computer, and they have excerpts from the book free of charge accessible on the computer. That's one, one start. And then, of course, finding that friend, that associate, that confidant who can share his or her information that can start you on your path towards healing. But I'm going to play devil's advocate now. Should you vent to your friend all the time and drain the life force out of them? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Is that you know, what we're saying to do? No, no, right. You shouldn't do that. Right. We should do that only with those people who we know are receptive, genuinely, and also preface the approach with someone and letting them know that if they're not ready to share or they don't have the time that you understand, right? You don't want to be in, place anyone and be uh, an imposing factor in their life if they're not really really ready to share their time with you. But those are various things in, in terms of us dealing with resolving those issues, serious issues in our life of becoming proactive. And, yes, I like the word you used earlier, empathy. Yeah, we have to learn how to listen and be empathetic with those of us who are going through whatever pain and, and, and challenges of someone taking their joy from us. So I, I have a, uh, a prayer that I'd like to share with the listening audience that uh, was written by Marianne Williamson from Illuminata, book titled Illuminata. And it deals with forgiveness. And the prayer goes like, as such, Dear God, I surrender to you my thoughts of judgment. Please heal me from my temptation to blame your children whom you adore. Touch me to love as you do. Teach me to see the reality beyond the superficial mask and the, and the truth in the hearts of all your children. May I see the innocence in all humanity that I may see the world of your creation, the world anew, the world that shall be. I relinquish my miscreations and I sur- surrender my belief and guilt. Bring me home to the truth at last, and may all God's children be innocent in my eyes, for they are all my brothers and sisters. May I see this that the world might heal, dear God. Give me new eyes, give me your eyes. And then we lead into the prayer specifically about forgiveness. And that's, dear God, there is someone 
whom I very much dislike. It is my, and you can say your own word who that person is. My anger or unforgiveness is because, and of course you say of that person, I know that my ability to forgive this person is where my freedom lies. For my hatred and judgment are attacks upon myself. This hatred keeps me tied, dear good Lord, to the guilt within my mind, and I am willing to be free. Dear God, please help me. I surrender to you my thoughts of this person's this person and the guilt that I have because of that person. I allow myself to fully feel my pain, my sense of violation. My fear that this person will hurt me again is because I think that these feelings, and, the, and I place them in your hands, O oh Lord. May your love be like a bonfire in which my feelings can transform. I know my attack thoughts are hurting me, and yet I feel I cannot let them go. And so I say to you, dear Lord, I am willing to see this person's innocence. I am willing to see the pain in him or her that would make him or her do these things to me. I am willing to have my perceptions healed that I might rise above, that I might hurt no more, that I might hurt no longer, that I might be released from this wheel of suffering. For I know that if I could drop this, I would be set free. I cannot do this for myself, dear Lord. In spite of my pain, in spite of my resistance, I pray for this person. I ask that this person be healed and given new life. And I ask for search cease for my own pain. For truly, we are reborn or we die together. I know this. I'm willing to have a miracle. I'm willing to forgive. I need your strength to do so. Thank you, Lord, for making me bigger, for bringing me closer to the divine power in my own heart. I surrender this person to you. I surrender my pain to you. Heal him or her. Heal me. Thank you. Amen. So I thought that I would just share that that prayer. It's such a powerful prayer. Those two prayers, actually. And that, uh, yes, we ask that we be healed first so that we can forgive those who have taken our joy away from us. What I'd like to do right now is take a short break and come back with you uh, to read all of the four agreements that Don Miguel Ruiz has indicated in his book. And then, of course, in the following show, we shall go more in depth uh, about his book. And uh, I'm just so happy that we were able to share these thoughts with you and the audience and, and uh, Osami and Mimi and Steve and all the other callers and listeners to spend their time this Saturday evening so that we could embrace this understanding of forgiveness and understanding of the significance and the power of agreements that we have with ourselves and each other. So please stay tuned. Hold on. I'll be back in a moment.
had, again, technical difficulties, and I hope that you're able to hear me clearly. And um, as I was mentioning, we're going to continue to show with me reading the, uh, the four agreements, each individual agreement. We were talking about speech. Be impeccable with your word. Speak with integrity. Say only what you mean. Avoid using the word to speak against yourself or to gossip about others. Use the power of your word in the direction of truth and love. That's number one, being impeccable with your word. Number two, don't take anything personally. Nothing others do is because of you. What others say or do is a perception of their own reality, their own dream. When you are immune to the opinions and actions of others, you won't be the victim of needless suffering. Three, don't make assumptions. Find the courage to ask questions and to express what you really want. Communicate with others as clearly as you can to avoid misunderstandings, sadness, and drama. With just the one, this one agreement, you can completely transform your life. That's the third one, which is don't make assumptions. And finally, number four, always do your best. Your best is going to change from moment to moment. It will be different when you are healthy as opposed to sick. Under any circumstances, simply do your best, and you will avoid self-judgment, self-abuse, and regret. Very powerful. At this point, I'd like to share the beginning of the book of the Four Agreements by Don Miguel. And he starts by saying the Toltec. He says that thousands of years ago, the Toltec were known throughout southern Mexico as women and men of knowledge. Anthropologists have spoken of the Toltec as a nation or a race, but in fact the Toltec were scientists and artists who formed a society to explore and conserve the spiritual knowledge and the practices of the ancient ones. They came together as masters, also known as Nagals, and students of the Teotihuacan, the ancient city of pyramids outside Mexico City, known as a place where man became God. Over the millennia, the Nagals were forced to conceal the ancestral wisdom and maintain its existence in obscurity. European conquests, coupled with rampant misuse of personal power by a few of the, the apprentices, made it necessary to shield the knowledge from those who were not prepared to use it wisely or who might intentionally misuse it for personal gain. Unfortunately, the esoteric tall technology was embodied and passed on through generations by different lineages of Nugals. Though it remains veiled in secrecy for hundreds of years, ancient prophecies foretold the coming of the age when it would be necessary to return the wisdom to the people. Now Don McGill is a Nagal from the Eagle Knight lineage, has been guided to share with us the powerful teachings of the Taltec. 
Altic knowledge arises from this same essential unity of truth as all the sacred esoteric traditions found around the world. Though it is not a religion, it honors all the spiritual masters who have taught on the earth. While it does embrace spirit, it is most accurately described as a way of life, distinguished by the ready accessibility of happiness and love. The Smoky Mirror. This is the introduction to the book. 3,000 years ago, there was a human just like you and me who lived near a city surrounded by mountains. The human was actually learning and studying to become a medicine man, to learn the knowledge of his ancestors, and he didn't completely agree with everything he was learning. In his heart, he felt there must be something more. One day, as he slept in a cave, he dreamed that he saw his own body sleeping. He came out of the cave on the night of a new moon. The sky was clear, and he could see millions of stars. Then something happened to him and inside of him that transformed his life forever. He looked at his hands, he felt his body, and he heard his own voice say, I am made of light. I am made of stars. He looked at the stars again, and he realized that it, it's not the stars that create light, but rather light that creates the stars. Everything is made of light, he said, and the space in between isn't empty. And he knew that everything that exists is one living being, and that light is the messenger of life, because it is alive and contains all information. Then he realized that although he was made of stars, he was not those stars. I am in between the stars, he thought. So he called the stars the tonal, and the light between the stars the nagal. And he knew that what created the harmony and space between the two is life or intent. Without life, the tonal and the nagal could not exist. Life is the force of the absolute, the supreme, the creator, who creates everything. That is what he discovered. Everything in existence is a manifestation of one living being we call God. Everything is God. And he came to the conclusion that human perception is merely light perceiving light. He also saw that matter is a mirror. Everything is a mirror that reflects light, creates images of that light. In the world of illusion, the dream is just like smoke, which doesn't allow us to see what we really are. The real us is pure love, pure light, he said. This realization changes life. Once he knew what he really was, he looked around to other humans and the rest of, the nat of nature, and he was amazed at what he saw. He saw himself in everything, in every human, in every animal, in every tree, in the water, in the rain, in the clouds, in the earth. And he saw that life mixed the tonal with the nagual in different ways to create billions of manifestations of life. In those three moments, he comprehended everything. He was very excited, and his heart was filled with peace. He could hardly wait to tell his people what he had discovered. 
but there were no words to explain it. He tried to tell the others, but he could not understand. And he could see that he had changed, that everything beautiful was radiating from his eyes and his voice. They noticed that he no longer had judgment about anything or anyone. He was no longer like anyone else. He could understand everyone very well, but no one could understand him. They believed that he was an incarnation of God, and he smiled when he heard this, and he said, It's true, I am God, but you are also God. We are the same, you and I. We are images of light. We are God. But still the people didn't understand him. He had discovered that he was a mirror for the rest of the people, a mirror in which he could see himself. Everyone is a mirror, he said. He saw himself in everyone, but nobody saw him as themselves. And he realized that everyone was dreaming, but without awareness, without knowing what they really are. They couldn't see him as themselves because there was a wall of fog or smoke between the mirrors. And that wall of fog was made by the interpretation of images of light, the dream of humans. Then he knew that he would soon forget all that he had learned. He wanted to remember all the visions he had had, so he decided to call himself the smoky mirror so that he would always know that matter is a mirror and that the smoke in between is what keeps us from knowing what we are. He said, I am the smoky mirror because I am looking at myself and all of you. But we don't recognize each other because of the smoke in between us. The smoke is the dream, and the mirror is you, the dreamer. And that is the introduction. I have a quote here by John Lennon, and it says that living is easy with eyes closed, misunderstanding all we see. So there's something to it in terms of us seeing ourselves within our dreams. And that's another show that we will uh, have. And that is being able to start to effectively interpret our dreams. I um, would like to just take a moment to share with you what uh, Spirit Change was talking about earlier, about stress uh, being uh, created by one being in a state of unforgiveness. And, of course, there are many things that we can do to assist ourselves with stress that she, uh, she touched upon, such as exercise. Even if you just take a walk for a minimum of 15 to 30 minutes per day, that has an effect of eliminating stress and also assisting our body in maintaining its optimum health. Uh, my wife and I, our family, we engage in a diet, a no-meat-eating diet. We're vegetarians. I've been one for over 18 years. My wife has been one for over four years. And we eat lots of vegetables and fruits. And we uh, also juice, and that's something that we look forward to doing more of, especially as we have the winter and going into spring and summer. It behooves us to be very much aware of the truism that we are, in so many ways, what we eat. And, of course, we are what we think. No pun intended, food for thought. A lot of us think 
certain thoughts because of the fact that we have a certain diet that allows us not to think about life in such a way because of the fact that we're processing food that we eat that places us in a state of disease. And that's something that we will discuss in shows in the future, in the near future. We need to also be mindful of drinking water. We need to drink at least six to eight glasses of water to hydrate ourselves so we can get rid of the toxins within our body so that indeed we can allow our blood to be in its optimal uh, health state so that we wash out all the toxins within the blood and then cis our bodies and get rid of the, 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 the plaque that's within our veins so that we don't have heart attacks and strokes. We should uh, go to a doctor uh, preferably a neuropathic doctor, as well as your natural doctor who's uh, trained through Western medicine. But uh, always get a second and third opinion and read as much as you can about what are healthy practices in terms of uh, determining what vitamins you should take, what uh, supplements you should take, what herbs you might want to uh, uh, share with, with well, what herbs you might want to consume. And, of course, I must preface by saying I'm not a doctor, of course. I'm not a, a licensed practitioner. So anything that I share with you, uh, I recommend that you get uh, an opinion from your from your uh, physician. But it behooves us to uh, attempt to become uh, our own healer and to be proactive so that any issues that we may have and be challenged with, we're at least having a body, our temple is healthy to the highest degree so that we can cope, so we can have the energy to deal with any challenges that we may have. I happen to be one who uh, is a, a distributor of a juice, which is called Frito Vita. And uh, Frito Vita is uh, uh, manufactured by a company called ProImage, and I've been drinking this juice for going on eight years now. As a matter of fact, I ran my 14th New York Marathon uh, this past November 2010. And it took me about six and a half hours. I've been known to run a marathon in under three hours. did that once back in 1989 at the age of 45. But I'm just saying this to say that I drink this juice because it's uh, uh, a, a health drink. And there are many, there are tens, hundreds of health drinks out there. Even those that you can go to the supermarket, Walter's grape juice, orange juice, and, you know, there's so many juices that you can drink. But the juice that I really have become accustomed to drinking is this juice called Fido Vida, and the main ingredient is acai. It's a berry from Brazil. It also has another uh, ingredient called yerba mate, which is from the caffeine family, but it's not caffeine. It's a matine, but it gives you energy. And another ingredient called uh, capucha, which is a fruit which is also uh, uh, which also comes from Brazil, and you can get a sample, a 30 ounce sample of this juice free, 30 ounce bottle, by going to my website, which is www.tryfutavita.com forward slash four five five two two. That's the word try t r y fruta f r u t a vita v i d a dot com forward slash four five five two two. 
And uh, you can also get access to that site on my blog talk uh, page and click on for access to that particular site and get a free bottle. I'd be very much interested in finding uh, how you like the, the juice and getting feedback from you. And as I mentioned also, uh, I have a website which uh, is drum to change drum to spirit dot com and with, at that site you can access a drum an African drum or any other type of drum that you would like to purchase and accessories and um, I would like to just share with you the fact that we have many people who are now recognizing the importance of having the drum in the family having a drum in home having a designated drummer so that any significant event that happens in our community, in our home, that we have a drummer which is able to uh, perform ritual via drumming to pay homage to our ancestors and to pay homage to that event via the drum, whether someone is newly born or the other end of life when someone transitions, that you have a designated drummer to perform. And then, of course, all others... Uh, joyful ceremonies such as weddings and birthdays and any other joyful event, that you have an African drum present, a drummer present to celebrate. So at that site, you can purchase drums um, as low as $29, including shipping, and up to $200 or $300 or more for those of you who are professionals and who would like to have a quality drum. So with that being said, I'd like to take another moment, another last break, and I'll be back with you in a moment, and we'll continue a couple of pages from the book of the Four Agreements. again, and uh, I start with chapter one. I just finished reading the uh, introduction, and chapter one is the uh, title, Domestication and the Dream of the Planet. What you are seeing and hearing right now is nothing but a dream. You are dreaming right now in this moment. You are dreaming with the brain awake. Dreaming is the main function of the mind, and the mind dreams 24 hours a day. In dreams, when the brain is awake, it is also dream when the brain is asleep. The difference is that when the brain is awake, there is a material frame that makes us perceive things in a linear way. When we go to sleep, we do not have the frame, and the dream has the tendency to change constantly. 
Humans are dreaming all the time. Before we were born, the human before us created a big outside dream that we will call society's dream or the dream of the planet. The dream of the planet is the collective dream of billions of smaller personal dreams, which together create a dream of a family, a dream of a community, a dream of a city, a dream of a country, and finally, a dream of the whole humanity. The dream of the planet includes all of society's rules and beliefs, its beliefs, its laws, its religions, its different cultures and ways to be, its governments, schools, social events, and holidays. We are born with the capacity to learn how to dream, and the humans who live before us teach us how to dream the way society dreams. The outside dream has so many rules that when a new human is born, we hook the child's attention and introduce these rules into him or her's mind. The outside dream uses mom and dad, the schools, and religion to teach us how to dream. Attention is the ability we have to disseminate and discriminate, to focus only on what that that we want to perceive. We can perceive millions of things simultaneously, but using our attention, we hold whatever we want to perceive in the forefront of our mind. The adults around us hook our attention and, and put information into our minds through repetition. That is the way we learn everything we know. By using our attention, we learn a whole reality, a whole dream. We learn how to believe in society, how to believe in what not to believe, and what is acceptable and what is not acceptable, what is good and what is bad, what is beautiful and what is ugly, what is right and what is wrong. It was all there already, all that knowledge, all those rules and concepts about how to behave in the world. When you were in school, you sat in a little chair and and put your attention on what the teacher was saying. Yes, indeed, what that teacher was teaching you, and when you went to church, you put your attention on, on what the priest or the minister was telling you. It is the same dynamic with mom and dad, brothers and sisters. They are all trying to hook your attention. We also learn to hook the attention of other humans, and we develop a need for attention which can become very competitive. Children compete for the attention of their parents, their teachers, their friends. Look at me. Look at what I'm doing. Hey, I'm here. The need for attention becomes very strong and continues into adulthood. The outside dream hooks our attention and teaches us what to believe, beginning with the language that we speak. Language is the code for understanding and communication between humans. Every letter Every word in each language is an agreement. We call this a page in the book. The word page is an agreement that we understand. Once we understand the code, our attention is hooked, and the energy is transformed from one person to another. It was not your choice to speak English. You didn't choose your religion or your moral values. They were already there before you were born. We never had the opportunity to choose what to believe or what not to believe. 
We never choose even the smallest of these agreements. We don't even choose our own name. As children, we didn't have the opportunity to choose our beliefs, but we agreed with the information that was passed to us from the dream of the planet via other humans. The only way to store information is by agreement. The outside dream may hook our attention, but if we don't agree, we don't store that information. As soon as we agree, we believe it, and this is called faith. To have faith is to believe unconditionally. That's how we learn as children. Children believe everything adults say. We agree with them. And our faith is so strong that the belief system controls our whole dream of life. We didn't choose these beliefs, and we may have rebelled against them, but we were not strong enough to win the rebellion. The result is surrender to the beliefs with our agreement. I call this process the domestication of humans. And through this domestication, we learn how to live and how to dream. In human domestication, the information from the outside dream is conveyed to the inside dream, creating our whole belief system. First, the child is taught the names of things, mom, dad, milk, bottle, day by day, at home, at school, at church, and from television. We are told how to live, what kind of behavior is acceptable. The outside dream teaches us how to be a human. We have a whole concept of what a woman is, what a man is, and we also learn to judge. We judge ourselves, judge other people, and judge the neighbors. Children are domesticated the same way that we domesticate a dog, a cat, or any other animal. In order to teach a dog, we punish the dog and we give it rewards. We train our children whom we love so much the same way that we train any domesticated animal with a system of punishment and reward. We are told, you're a good boy or you're a good girl. When we do that, what mom and dad wants us to do, we, when we don't, we're a bad girl and a bad boy. When we went against the rules, we were punished. And when we went along with the rules, we got a reward. We were punished many times a day, and we were also rewarded many times a day. Soon we became afraid of being punished and also afraid of not receiving the reward. The reward is the attention that we got from our parents and from others, from other people like siblings, teachers, and friends. And we soon developed a need to hook other people's attention in order to get the reward. The reward feels good, and we keep doing what others want us to do in order to get the reward. With that fear of being punished and that fear of not getting the reward, we start pretending to be what we are not, just to please others just to be good enough for someone else. We try to please mom and dad. We try to please the teachers at school. We try to please the church. And so we start acting. We pretend to be what we are not because we are afraid of being rejected. The fear of being rejected becomes the fear of not being good enough. And eventually we become someone that we are not. We become a copy of mama's beliefs, daddy's beliefs, society's beliefs, and religion's beliefs. 
All of our normal tendencies are lost in the process of domestication. And when we are old enough for our minds to understand, we learn the word no. We adults say, don't do this and don't do that. We rebel and say no. We rebel because we are defending our freedom. We want to be ourselves, but we are very little, and the adults are big and strong. And after a certain time, we are afraid because we know that every time we do something wrong, we are going to be punished. The domestication is so strong that at a certain point in our life, we no longer need anyone to domesticate us. We don't need mom or dad, the school, or the church to domesticate us. We are so well-trained that we use our own domesticator. We are an auto-domesticated animal. We can now domesticate ourselves according to the same belief system that we were given and using the same system of punishment and reward. We punish ourselves when we don't follow the rules according to our belief system. We reward ourselves when we are the good boy or good girl. The belief system is like a book of law that rules our mind. Without question, whatever is in the book of law is our truth. We base all of our judgments according to the book of law, even if these judgments are against our own inner nature. Even moral laws like the Ten Commandments are programmed into our mind in the process of domestication. One by one, all these agreements go into the book of law, and these agreements rule over dream. There is something in our minds that judges everybody and everything, including the weather, the dog, the cat, everything. The inner judge uses what is in our book of law to judge everything that we do and don't do, everything we think and don't think, and everything we feel and don't feel. Everything lives under the tyranny of this judge, Everything we do, and every time we do something that goes against the book of law, the judge says we are guilty. We need to be punished. We should be ashamed. This happens many times a day, day after day, for all the years of our lives. So, we have about four minutes remaining, and I'm going to read the rest of this page. And I thank you all for listening and we will continue with this book next Saturday. I might do a uh, another show later on this week, but I will notify you via Facebook uh, regarding this this, uh, this particular uh, book and the chapter that we were on. But I will notify. I'm not certain at this point, but definitely by next Saturday at this time we will continue. And as he continues to say, there is another part of us that receives the judgments, and the part is called the victim. The victim carries the blame, the guilt, and the shame. And then the part of us that says, poor me, I'm not good enough, I'm not intelligent enough, I'm not attractive enough, I'm not worthy of love, poor me, the big judge agrees and says, yes, you are not good enough, and this is all based on belief systems that we never choose to believe. And this belief are so strong that even years later, when we are exposed to new concepts and try to make our own discussions, we find that these beliefs still control our lives. So that's Chapter 1, 
towards the middle, and we will continue next week. I thank you all uh, for listening. Those of you in the chat room, I thank you for logging on and sharing your thoughts. I thank the callers that called in, Orsami, Nimi, Steve, and others who called in and shared your, your precious thoughts and profound revelations. I thank you all for tuning in, and I look forward to you tuning in again. Again, the Four Agreements involves all of our lives. I was just transformed by even just reading the chapter, the introduction in the chapter. There were some things that resonated with me that I uh, missed when I read before. So, again, I thank you, and we look forward to tuning in on the next show.